Welcome to Damn Fine Commentary, the internet's only Twin Peaks podcast with a real-life Dave and Lynch. In this series, we'll be reviewing and chatting about each of the 18 parts of Twin Peaks Season 3. So as they say in the Black Lodge... Here we are again. It's hi, I'm Phil Willis. I'm Nat Prasad. And I'm Steve Lynch. And... You're listening to Damn Fine Commentary with Dave and Lynch. Well, we've got Lynchy right here with us live, and uh, we've also got Dave, who's put together a little... Uh, we put together a little summary of the plot. Now, I think this is one of the more plot-driven parts. We're talking about part two of Twin Peaks The Return to part two of 18. So uh, we're going to be doing a podcast for each one of these parts uh, and working our way through them. So... This probably is a little bit more of a plot-driven episode, so we'll let Dave uh, talk us through it and see what we get. Hello, it's the man from Manavra. Voice. Significantly less cold and flu medication this week, so everything made a lot less sense in Twin Peaks, which is just the way I like it. High school principal Bill is now in jail for a crime he only remembers in a dream, which is a bit of a Leland alert. His wife Phyllis is in cahoots with his lawyer George, and as it turns out, with Evil Coop as well. Evil Coop then shoots Phyllis with George's gun, and as Bill moans and maniacally pours at his head in prison, an oily black ghost resembling one of the woodsmen from the Black Lodge sits in a neighbouring cell and fades away, floats off into the air. Gum and Bozia all round. Uh, oh, my skin is still crawling thinking about that. Meanwhile, in Vegas, a guy called Mr. Todd tells Roger, the cabin boy as I'm calling him, that she has the job, whoever she is, and that Mr. Todd's boss makes him do things. Who knows what that means? I do because I've seen episode five. Is it the past or is it the future? Back in Buckhorn, Daria and Ray are still with Evil Coop and a guy called Jack in a diner. Ray's been getting some information Bad Coop needs, no wants, from uh, Bill's secretary. You know, Bill, the guy in the in the prison. Hawk gets another call from Margaret, the log lady. He's out in the woods and looking for the red room and he sort of finds it. Meanwhile, in the waiting room, our Coop is hanging out with one arm. Mike, Venus and Jupiter are back in alignment, which means Cooper can go out of the red room. Hooray! Backwards, Laura then pulls her face off, proving that she's literally filled with secrets. She kisses him and is blown away by the wind screaming and we're back with Mike proving that time and narrative plotting are in fact an illusion. Coop sees a white horse and meets the arm who's now grown into a squished up little brain on a stick. Jeez Michael Chanderson you make one dodgy Twitter post. Well you make a a lot of dodgy Twitter posts. Meanwhile Daria plots with Ray on the phone in her underwear. Uh, It was to say Daria's in her underwear not Ray. Uh, They're going to go kill Bad Coop for someone for half a million dollars, but Bad Coop cottons on and kills her instead, horribly, but not before showing her what he really wants. It's a picture of an ant head, maybe? Or could it be the Owl Cave Ring? Ray knows something that Bad Coop needs, geographical locations from Bill's secretary, so he calls someone with a weird device that may or may not be Philip Jeffries, uh, which is to say Bad Coop calls someone who may or may not be Philip Jeffries, not that Philip Jeffries is a weird device. Whoever it is, they say they plan to be with Bob again. They know Bad Coop met with Major Briggs. Coop downloads something to his phone about Yankton Federal Prison. Uh, We'll learn more about that in episode 5 for sure. Oh, and it turns out he's also working with yet another lady, Chantal, who is also working with her husband, Hutch. I'm sensing a theme. Back with Coop and the brain tree, the arm sends Coop away because it's time to pull Bad Coop back in and they can't both be in the lodge. Back with Leland tells him to find Laura. Cooper gets sucked into space and ends up in that uh, black box thing in New York moments before Sam and Tracy were killed in episode one, but then he keeps on moving through space. And we're back in Twin Peaks. Sarah Palmer watches a violent nature documentary while over at the Roadhouse, the chromatics play to all our old friends who have grown up, like Shelley, uh, her friends, and James, who, let's face it, has never been cool. And that's the end of part two. There we go. Sorted. It's all explained now. <laughs> exactly. It all makes sense. Exactly. It's what completely this clear. I think yes. our job is done. We can go now. Yes. Yes. Um, I love that. Even with a plot-driven episode like this, there's still so much mystery and so much speculation and so much crazy, weird, weird stuff. That where do we even begin? So yeah. Yeah. And not only where each of the plot lines are going to go, but 
how are they going to tie up? Like, yeah. how, are the, how are these anyway. things going to get us back to Twin Peaks? Uh, is Cooper going to set foot in Twin Peaks? Um, you, every, obviously, everyone hopes he does, but at the moment, there's no crossover between the Twin Peaks. I was going to say, it's called Twin Peaks. It's called Return to Twin Peaks, or Twin Peaks of Return, but it's not doing what it says on the tin just yet. <laughs> not just yet. Yeah, yeah, we'll get there. So we've spent a lot of time in Buckhorn. Uh, we're in Buckhorn, South Dakota, mm. and uh, and we, we, particularly, I guess, we should, I guess, sort of unpack some of the Phyllis and Bill, uh, Bill Hastings, who's this high school principal who's basically been arrested for the murder of Ruth Davenport, or at least Ruth, the top half of it. <laughs> the <bottom. laughs> Maybe the other guy. Totally well. innocent. Who yeah. knows what happened? Yeah, no, oh, they had nothing to do with the bottom half. Just yeah. had a random head here. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was totally fine when I cut it off. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Um, played by Matthew Lillard, who I, I'm sure he's had a very long and distinguished career, but I haven't seen him since Scream. So oh. I'm seeing not only uh, the young characters of Twin Peaks being 25 years older, but I'm getting a whole bonus chapter of young actors from Scream being nice. 25 years older. Oh, yeah, older. absolutely. There you go. See, I've got young kids, so all I can see him is Scooby-Doo. He's um, Shaggy Shag- from Shaggy. Scooby-Doo. <laughs> <laughs> Zoinks! Like, I totally cut her head off, dude! <laughs> Sorry, Scoob! Oh, yes. Um, look, I'll tell you what, this, um, even though you've got, like, a comic actor, uh, although I guess he's uh, he's played comic roles and he's also played, you know, Matthew Lillard, he's played serious roles as well, we go into dark territory, not just with the murder, but finally we've had our first F-bomb of the, of the series, somebody said fuck. And I'm so pleased <laughs> to not say that it was a woman. Yes! <laughs> yes. Striking a blow. Um... Unfortunately, the rest of Phyllis's performance leaves a little bit to be desired. I, I found her to be very two-dimensional in her delivery. I'm sure that's a deliberate choice. Mm. Yeah, it got um, very campy, like almost on a dime. She went from the the, the grieving wife or the, the horrified wife to just like, ah, I guess exactly. you're not, my pretty. Yeah. Although we did kind of see some flashes back in part one, where notwithstanding the fact that her husband had been arrested, she kept going back to, but the Morgans are coming for dinner. Yeah. <laughs> the <Yeah>. Morgans. <laughs> Oh dear! Again, that Lynch thing of just showing the darkness under the suburban family. Well, so, well, so, I think, so I think we plumb new depths here on, with this if character. If you get arrested, your your partner could well be like, "But we're going to have the Morgans over," and then and then the, in the next breath they're saying, "You're going to be in jail for a really long right. time," and, and your cellmate is going to be a charcoal coloured in spirit. <laughs> <laughs> but we do see some more conventional uh, suburban themes. Um, we find out that uh, Phyllis becomes aware that Bill has been having an affair with Ruth Davenport. Yeah, which again, back to the first series where Bobby is with Shelley, who's not with Leo, and, oh, uh, yeah. and, and Laura Bobby's was with, with James, and James with Donna, and it's like everyone's rooting everyone else. Oh. I know, it's like giant, one giant key party, really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got her keys, and I bought her a plants. <laughs> <laughs> See, we didn't think uh, that. There's a bit yeah, of that yeah. relationship. There oh, oh, my God. There we go. Uh, so, yes. But, look, honestly, uh, it doesn't take long before Parole Phyllis gets her comeuppance. Um, and so it's it's now become clear that Bad Cooper is somehow embroiled in this thing and wants, you know, wants information or wants something from this relationship and manages to shoot Phyllis with Roger's gun. So Roger, the lawyer for Bill Hastings. Who Phyllis is having an affair with. Yes. Uh, George. Is it George? It's George. You're right. It's George. George. So, yes, already Cooper, Bad Cooper is already putting 
putting things in motion in Buckhorn, clearly putting Buckhorn at the centre of yeah. this, yeah, this epicentre of stuff. Again, not in Twin Peaks. So. A new mystery, yeah. Mm. And says something that, can we read anything more into it? Well, like almost everything in the show, we can read more whether it's true or not, but you follow human nature perfectly. Yeah. Does that indicate that she's she's not human, that she's part of the... She's obviously a pawn of his, oh, Exactly. What, what is she? Yeah, yeah. Or maybe it's maybe just a reinforcement that Bad Cooper himself is not human. He's just using the humans and predicting that, oh, of course, this is what humans do. I can play them like that. Yeah, possibly. Yeah. Um, and, but I also think that this scene with, with Bill in the prison cell is um, you get a sense that there is definitely more bubbling under the surface with the appearance of Bill. I think you like to call him Charcoal Man. I call him Charcoal Man. Man. Oh. That, I saw that and I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> It, that really did look like something out of like a race ahead or one of those sort of exactly. early, early highly uh, stylized David Lynch films where it's just like what it's like the the man living behind the radiator or yeah, or, yeah. Or, um, yeah. or the guy or the creepy guy in Mulholland Drive who lives in the alley behind the oh. the convenience store or whatever you know yeah. so yeah. well speaking of the convenience store I thought it reminded me of the one of the Firewalk with Me characters when they have the Black Lodge meeting above the convenience store there's Bob and there's the little little man from another place but then in the background there's like a lumberjack and we're just staring. <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, it's like the lumberjack if he was actually a coal miner. Yeah, right. Oh, there we go. It's coal mining. Yeah. I don't know if they have coal mining in South Dakota, but yeah, I've got no idea what his uh, his deal was. <laughs> and then and then he flaps and his then little he, fairy wings. He, he slides away. away. Again, just like uh, just like the guy in um, in Lost Highway, who the yeah. guy who goes to prison and then somehow he just <laughs> ascends out of prison off into the ether. So I feel like David Lynch is giving fans of not just Twin Peaks, but his entire oeuvre or a little bit of uh, some rewards along the way. Um, we go then to our next sort of major location, I guess. So we've probably got, so we've got Twin Peaks, Buckhorn, Las Vegas and New York. So we're back in uh, Las Vegas. For the I, is this the first time we see Vegas? This is the first time we yeah. see Vegas, yeah. And I, I don't know how I felt about that because, you know, again, I'm looking for Twin Peaks and now we're going anywhere but Twin Peaks. But um, we have the very, it's the shortest of scenes and I really didn't know what to make of it other than there is more to come. Yeah. So yeah. I, think I do love that actor, though. I think he's so creepy. Yeah. What's he been in? So I, I remember him as the, um, the lip-reading photographer in Veep. Okay, yeah. I don't know if you guys have I seen that. Seen but he, he was also in Mulholland uh, Drive, yeah. He was, uh, he he was, was in too. the cafe um, that has the creature around yeah. um, there. So. Yeah, clearly one of... Uh, one of his stock kind of uh, actors that he, he falls back on. And David Lynch does that so much. I mean, we see so many of the recurring actors all the time. He's like he's got his little favourites. Um, we haven't we have well we haven't seen the characters yet, but we know that Naomi Watts is going to turn up in here. Laura Dern's going to turn up at some point. So he's clearly tapping his favourites uh, and looking to sort of bring people back in. So yeah, and Krista Bell, who uh, I'm sure, oh, will, yeah. or everyone is going to have some opinions on uh, on her when she when she appears. Absolutely. Um, but also that Vegas scene has that. Uh, Wonderful line, something along the lines of, uh, "Why do you let him make him? Why do you let him make you do these things?" Uh, <laughs> I know. I, I, <laughs> where that's going to go? I, I don't know. know. You better hope that you Probably never get involved. Probably somewhere where you're not expecting. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel that scene's really more about making you ask some questions and just leave you hanging for a little while. So. Mm. Um, maybe we should. I think we've talked about this scene longer than the scene actually. Took. Yes, I think we might be right. Yes. <laughs> um, but one of the things I really loved straight after the Vegas scene was a return of a Twin Peaks theme, which is the traffic lights. So I don't know if you guys remember, but um, in the first, at least the first season of Twin Peaks, 
as a transition, David Lynch would show the lone traffic light in Twin Peaks and would either be amber Oh, yeah, or and red. it's swinging in the, it's swinging swinging in the breeze. In the wind, and, yeah. and we see this, uh, see this again um, in the form of a rail crossing, mm. um, which I thought was a really lovely thing. Probably one for the absolute nerd fan people, but mm. um, it was a beautiful moment for me. But in the bigger picture as well, it just goes to show how it, it, people, the first thing people talk about with David Lynch is how weird it, it, it all is and how weird he is. But really the first thing is just how beautifully he sees mm. scenes. The visuals of this show so far have just been exceptional. And yeah. The way things are framed, there's things in the foreground, things in the background. It's just, he's a real visual artist. I agree. I think he's definitely an expert in making the mundane extraordinary. Mm. Yeah. And it's not like, yeah, everyone's, yeah, exactly. Yes. Well, it's not like, um, is it like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to um, film a unicorn and there's going to be a, a snake on top and uh, there's going to be burning fire and all like, you can get weird for the weird sake, but how do you make something creepy and atmospheric, which is a static shot of a traffic light yeah. as it changes from green to amber to red? Like that sort of, uh, that sort of uh, visual mastery and, and the pacing, and we can talk more about the pacing um, sort of as we sort of progress mm. through some of these episodes where he, he was really willing to take his time and yeah. just let us linger and try to soak up this atmosphere. I think one of the things he does is he, he pauses on a particular scene for just that slightly uncomfortably long period. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> too long. Uh, a, a lovely story from the filming of season two of Twin Peaks that very first scene with the uh, the old waiter, the bellhop. Oh, yeah. When shot. Yes. Like, I've heard about you. And the thumbs up. Thumbs up, guy. The, apparently the people on the crew saw this guy do the do the role and they're like, oh, my God, it's just so slow. He's this poor old 80-year-old actor who I assume is not in the, he's not the, in the, the new series. I don't no. know if he's, uh, if he's made the, the, the cut. Um but they were like, he's just so slow. And Lynch is like, cut, cut, cut. And they're like, oh, thank God. And Lynch is like, uh, so could you slow that down? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he's yeah. got that. Don't race your lines, you know, take your time. Take yeah. your time. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. It's, it's like pacing. He, he has his own rule there. And uh, like you said, Nav, making the mundane youthful or creepy. You know, he's the only guy that makes a ceiling fan make you shit oh, yourself. I know. I know. So all mirrors, like seriously, oh, like, yeah. it took me a long time to look in a mirror and not freak out slightly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've got the same sort of thing here. We've got ostensibly, so the scene in the diner, uh, we've got Bad Cooper's got his crew. He's got Jack, Ray and Daria. So he picked up Ray and Daria from that weird, <laughs> weird den. Okay. Uh, in the bayou uh, or yeah, something. Yeah, sticks somewhere. With the, the big guy in the chair and then that little guy who I didn't even see the first time that that scene was going around. Oh, in the wheelchair? Yeah. Oh, right. So that that freaked me out Like the when I was like, oh, my God, there's an extra no, guy there. I didn't even see it. I have noticed that, honestly, it, it makes a big difference whether I'm watching this in the day or at night. There is Because the, the tones are so dark, the stuff that you can see uh, if you're watching in certain lighting, lighting conditions that you can't see in others. So, yeah, that might be one of those ones where it's so far in the background. But, yeah. I is... can't watch this show at night. It gives me very freaky dreams. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. Let's just get oh, that same. out on the table now. Absolutely. Yeah. Now they talk. Oh, this is one of my favourite Bad Cooper scenes where he says, "Like oh, I'm going to get that information you you need," and then mm. and then Cooper just says, "Like I don't need anything, Ray. Yeah, I want <laughs> just genius. Yeah, but also uh, again giving the lie to that idea of some of the fanboys on the internet that um, the Bill Hastings, the principal, like, mm. that's just a a one-off thing because he's saying. Your contact is was it Hastings secretary? secretary I yeah. think yeah. yeah. So there's yeah there's and there's coordinates. So we don't know what that has got in store for us, but it's going to be something. 
speak. And then I think we move on into, and we're doing this episode scene by scene just because it is so plot-driven. Um, back to my two favourite characters um, so far, and it's uh, Hawk and Margaret Lanneman, the, mm. the log lady. Again, another scene, a flashlight in the woods at night, um, just beautifully shot. And again, we, we'd said last week it was obviously Catherine Coulson's last work before she, she sadly passed away, and she says these beautiful words, the stars turn and the time presents itself. And she says she wishes she could be out walking with Hawk, but she can't. Yeah. But but she but she tells him to 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 stop by because she has coffee and cake or pie waiting for him. Yeah. it's just beautiful. Yeah, and the the way that she's obviously it's a mixture of her uh, her own acting talent, but also the weakness that the physical weakness that she had at the time because she sounds. Uh, on the verge of tears with every single line and it just it's yeah. just devastating to, exactly. to hear that exactly and it's really interesting I don't know about you guys your emotional reactions to this show obviously there's an intellectual and an aesthetic reaction but I very rarely have had an emotional reaction to, to scenes so far this is probably these two scenes in the last two parts with um, the log lady and hawk are the ones where I've had an emotional reaction. Yeah, there's the tragedy of uh, there's the tragedy of the fact that we know that the character is dying, and this is probably the last time we're going to maybe one of the last times we see the character. But then also the that the actor themselves um, is they're in the no, twilight of their lives. They're, right? no, so. they're no longer with us. They're on their last legs as well. So, and it's not the only one. We know it won't spoil too much, but there are other actors who have since died that. Somehow Lynch managed to get before they passed away. So we can talk yeah. about more of that. Um, Which also, and the, the bigger tragedy of imagine being in an industry as an actor where work itself can often be few and far between and to be involved in something that is such a huge, uh, huge part of the zeitgeist, such as Twin yeah. Peaks back in 1990-91, then maybe have a very long, quiet career um, I mean, Miguel Ferrer had had a, a lot more roles mm. than that, but you would say that Twin Peaks was definitely one of the biggest. Yeah. And then to hear that it's coming out and know that that's that you're involved, and for most of them to have that ability to shoot their scenes, but that tragedy of they never got to experience the worldwide joy of yeah. coming out now. Yeah. And, so yeah, there's there's a real element of, of tragedy there. Absolutely. So everyone raise a, gl- a glass. To, yes. To, 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 all the to all the Twin Peaks cast that are no longer with us. Yeah. And and we should mention obviously Frank Silver and and Jack Nance. Jack was uh, yeah. Pete Martell, but Frank Silver was the set dresser who was discovered on as and became Bob. Um, and in fact, this epi- this part is actually dedicated to him. It is. I think it is. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Also, Major Briggs no yeah. longer with us. Yeah. Yes. But his name somehow keeps managing to find its way into the Oh, yes. oh he's yes. very... He's, he's still pivotal. He is going to be pivotal. Pivotable. Pivotable. You can pivot on you're, him. You're going yeah. to pivot on him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, spoilers for yeah. so where you see his disembodied head yes, that's floating right. through space, but I'm sure you can pivot on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think he will be pivotal to uh, season three, and he certainly is pivotal to... Uh, the Secret History of Twin Peaks, the book by Mark Frost. Anyone that has a chance to have a read of that, you'll, that will fill in some blanks. I've certainly got my theories about uh, Major Briggs' uh, final destiny. Yeah. But that's for episodes in the future, I'm exactly. sure. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, most of this episode by now, and I think we're kind of about 20 minutes into a 56-minute episode, is in the real world. Um, we haven't been to the Black Lodge yet. No, no, but we do, I guess this is our moment where we spend a bunch of time there. Um, so talk us through, this was a, this was a, 
a complicated scene and there's a lot going on there. Talk us through. So what, what are we seeing here? So we see that we're back in the Red Room. Uh, Mike makes an appearance, I guess. Laura's there. Yeah. Laura's, Laura's there. there. Well, now oh, someone Mike. who looks like Laura. Yes, and sometimes her arms bend back. Sometimes her face <laughs> just falls off. <laughs> I, I know her. Yeah. The, we always do the um, have a have a joke performing on stage where you do the Scooby Doo, like ah, oh, but you know you oh, pull yes. off the mask. It's yes. one of those meddling kids, and then you do it one too many times. Like oh, you pulled off my face. Oh, nice. <laughs> actually happened to Laura Palmer yes, in the that's room. Right. Yeah. Exactly. She's nothing so, but a ball of light inside yeah. that she can just. Remove her face at uh, any given time. And one of the most beguiling characters in the Black Lodge being the the arm, or this new inc- incarnation of the arm. The brain on a tree. Yeah. <laughs> so we Michael should, we just Anderson... spend some time talking about the arm. <laughs> oh, yes. So he said, he's he's like, oh, I'm the most pivotal actor. He, Michael J. Anderson, actually, so this is the actor that played... The, uh, the man from another place, also known as the Dancing Dwarf. <laughs> just, uh, he said, I'm the most important actor in Twin Peaks and I can't believe they didn't pay me what I'm worth. And David Lynch has cl- clearly said, well, not only, uh, <laughs> not only am I not going to pay you what I think you're worth, but if you're not going to appear, I'm just going to make a tree, <laughs> stick a lump of Play-Doh on it. Yeah, and call it done. <laughs> and, it's, and it's taller than everyone else in the scene as yeah, well. Yeah, that's right, yeah, take so, that. Fuck you, Michael. Yes, there you go. Um, but there is a lot about that character, of course, because, yeah, so the name of the character, the evolution of the arm. Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, and the fact that there's electricity just humming through Crackling. Yeah. yeah, because, of course, electricity, as set up in Firewalk With Me, is a big part of the movement between the lodges and the real world, yeah. and that's explored yeah. more, more in this season as well. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a very cool and freaky character. And I think, and it's the arm who tells us that, uh, you know, we, we're spending time with Good Coop, the Coop that we love in, in the Black Lodge, and the arm tells us that his, his doppelganger has to come back before he can leave. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's a really important setup. Yeah, point. it is because it, it now it, it frames the rules of what. Okay, what's going to happen now? So, well, what we want to happen is, good coop gets out, bad coop gets back in, and everything else is right with the world. Um, he goes back to Twin Peaks. Oh he yeah. Meets, he meets Harry Truman. They hug, and it's all gorgeous. That's right. And they eat cherry pie, and it's fantastic. <laughs> uh, look, I'm sure it's not going to be as simple as that, but at least now the broad brush strokes are laid. The mystery of the murders in Buckhorn uh, Central to it. There's, and then there's this other main sort of deal of like, how do the Coopers swap, or do they ever swap, or how is that going to work? Mm-hmm. So uh, they've sort of set that in motion. The interesting thing that we're talking about: the stars have to align, and, and a time presents itself. It was reminded to uh, reminded me a little bit of that poem that talk about the fire walk with me poem, where he says. The, something the wizard longs to see one chance out between two worlds fire walks fire oh, walk with yeah. me I always thought that was one chance out like C-H-A-N-C-E one chance out in other words saying that you only get limited opportunities yeah, yeah. where the gates between these worlds open up and you can actually you know the portal appears mm-hmm, and you can actually mm-hmm. go through this thing so to me it kind of supports that idea that like, you can't just go into the red room anytime you feel like it you've yeah. got to the stars have to align literally to for that to happen So I mean yeah there's because I think Lots of little bits of factoids about the the show support either um, either interpretation because I'd always thought it was chance as in the plural of chant. 
Oh, because right. one chants out between two worlds, and what do you chant? You chant fire. Fire will burn. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, and of course that yeah. th- that is a very powerful statement, as we've seen yeah, from yeah. Uh, the finale and from uh, fire, from the movie Fire Walk with Me. Yeah, but of course, I think the answer is David Lynch made it up uh, <laughs> one day in 1989 after touching the hot roof of his car, and for 28 years afterwards, we've been like, this is what I think. Try not to read about the, read about this stuff on the internet I, because I just. Think you get taken off in so many different paths. It's very entertaining, but I think it takes you bit can take you a bit further away from what the show is about and interpreting the story in your yeah. own way. Yeah. Well, and, and trying to be too literal about art always you end up you end up you, you you're putting meaning into stuff which may not necessarily have a, a meaning. Or particularly, he just liked that color of Sometimes red. Sometimes there are questions with no answers. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Do you reckon David Lynch? would love the idea of people endlessly debating the meaning of what he has got without necessarily being right, or do you think he would actually hate it and would rather everyone go through that themselves? I'm not sure it's absolute. I reckon he has his days. Mm, okay. Oh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing, is that um, there are some there are some artists that, like, uh, like are just absolutely... They put a bit of art into the world and then they're just absolutely... Outraged, uh, it can't possibly mean what are you talking about? Yeah. It's not about um, death How and resurrection. What do you mean, Top Gun is homoerotic? Yeah. <laughs> I'm offended. Yeah, um, yeah, where there, but there's this other theory, of course, is that once a piece of art's in the world, the author Let has yeah. like the author's got no yeah. more control over yeah. that. Tough luck. So, yes, Top Gun. Love it. <laughs> that's, that's what we can take away from yeah, this podcast. Right. Thanks, Top Gun. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Uh, thumbs up. And let's see the volleyball scene. Well, yeah, I hear so. they're making a sequel, so maybe yes. that could be a oh, future God. podcast. Return to, yeah. return to Top, Top Gun. Gun. Oh, return. Return. It also starts. They're bringing the, Goose back. Yeah, he's, he's, it's been 25 years yes. that he's been under the Indian Ocean. Yes. Exactly. Evolution of the Goose. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what we are we should talk. One other thing about the Red Room, though, is that, again, from what you were saying before, now with the beauty of David, Lynch's uh, shots is the drapes just feel oh so God, much thicker and this darker red as compared to the to the TV series just beautiful. We, I've got a friend uh, Amanda who's got <laughs> something called peptodysphoria, which means that uh, velvet freaks her out. The she if she sees it she freaks out if she hears the sound. I can understand that. Obviously, her touching it herself just she loses her shit. So if someone's thighs are touching, yeah. don't wear velvet pants. That's right. Yeah. 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 And seeing this, I was just thinking, oh poor Amanda, if she's watching this, <laughs> yeah. and anyone else with peptodysphoria out there. The... Well, I get this. I get the sense that Lynch has really made the most of the technology. You know, the evolution of technology since he first filmed Twin Peaks. Yeah. I and mean, watching mm. these rich colors come alive in high definitions just been. Yeah. It has been sumptuous. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The evolution of technology is also a brain on a tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, there is a place for lo-fi yeah. Yeah. in this hi-fi world. <laughs> I want to talk about probably one of the most horrific scenes I've seen so far. Oh, oh. okay. Um, is it the one where Cooper's swooshing that guy's oh, face? Uh, actually, <laughs> no. No, it's after that. The, 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 my Auntie them. Carol saying, give me your kiss. <laughs> so, so uh, Bad Coop is, <laughs> I think, I don't, that's why I've written him down in my notes. I don't know how else to describe yep. it. Is, uh, you know, well, he kills, he ends up killing Daria in probably one of the most violent um, death scenes we've seen so far. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely, for sure, for sure. And in a way that, um, all right, so we've seen that sort of creepy blob, plasticine creature uh, kill uh, Tracy and her boyfriend in the New York York room. But, I mean, that was just fairly stylized. But this is Cooper absolutely, um, I think, as we said in um, the previous episode of the podcast, not probably since... Uh, Maddie getting killed. Mm. Have we seen it just up front and in your face and, yeah, just brutal? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, Lynch is... I guess he's made his in, in his own and you can debate the merits or you can have a negative or, or some, you know, artistically favourable view of it. He's pretty, uh, pretty violent in his depictions or has a lot of violent depictions against women mm. um, through a lot of his work. Um, and this is, this is certainly no exception. And I think, Steve, you were saying... Half-dressed women, or we've actually filmed might have been you, sort of naked woman. Naked women in peril. In peril it seems yeah. like that's his that's his deal. That's his there's deal. A, there's a women thing. in peril. Yeah, I mean, you see it. It's Inland Empire. It's you know all of this stuff. The Mulholland Drive. And and I kind of it makes you wonder: Is this actually okay in this day and age to depict these things? Is there a place for this? And I'm I'm in two minds about this. I mean, I, I think there is artistic merit in it, but then I th- wonder: At what point do you go too far and it becomes gratuitous? Yeah, yeah. I, yeah it's, it, look, it is one of those things. Like, and I look, I thought this about the the original uh, Twin Peaks series as well. Is that we're talking about the particularly made quite clear in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with Me, the movie, is that we're talking about a, a prolonged history of incest, uh, family abuse, rape, torture, and murder. And most of Twin Peaks, uh, we were talking about Laura's, Laura Palmer's backstory, is that, oh, she was a bad girl, uh, she was on cocaine, she was on drugs, don't you know, um, she was working at One Eye Jacks as a call girl. Somehow that, like, all of this information is somehow, you're not the saying that it, it, it was Laura's fault, but, well, she was wild. What else did you expect was going to happen? Yeah. Um, and then in the opposite direction, Leela Palmer gets away with a get-out-of-jail-free card because he says, oh, it wasn't me, it was uh, it was, it was oh, wild, no, yeah. it was just the devil did made me do it. So a lot of that rewatching in preparation mm. for this stuff, rewatching Twin Peaks the original series made me really uncomfortable knowing what we know now about slut shaming and rape culture and all that kind of stuff. It was I found it very interesting to try and integrate that with what Lynch yeah. is trying to say and what he's trying to get away with. I guess. Yeah, I mean. uh, and this again could be the the fanboy in me that just uh, can't think critically and just accepts whatever is given, but. I I sort of felt like rather than it being say slut shaming in the original series, they oh she's a bad girl and and of course this would happen. You say well actually no she's not she's not doing drugs and um, and working as a call girl and that's why she gets murdered. She's driven to uh, drugs and all these you know horrible parts of her life, mm. um, having been. Uh, subjected to incest in, from the age of thirteen, so actually yeah. that that is a character arc that I think can be defended um, and, and does make sense in a in a very uncomfortable way, but still in a in a in a truthful way. Yeah. And also in terms of Leland Palmer, I I wonder if and one of the other really good Twin Peaks podcasts uh, that I can't remember the name. I'm sorry, guys. Um, we'll find it and put they, it on. The yeah, we'll, we'll find it. We'll find it and we'll put it on the website. But, but they had a very good uh, dissection of the Firewalk with Lee movie, where their theory was in the show, mm. uh, where it was less about David Lynch's vision by the time. Uh, Leland Palmer had his death scene and said, oh, it was all Bob and, and it was, is forgiven. That was someone else's vision and Lynch wasn't as, as involved. Oh, okay. And so that was It's All Bob. Where Lynch gets involved is first, again, is, is in the finale yep. and then in the movie. Now, in the movie, it's 
much more explicit that Leland Palmer knows what he's doing, yeah. mm. that he's an evil man, and mm. that perhaps you would mm. say that Bob is the personification of that evil rather than just an inhabiting spirit. Yeah. And also in the finale, what does the Leland Palmer doppelganger do? He appears there smiling uh, and says, I didn't kill anybody, and then laughs. Yeah, yeah. And mm. so maybe part of the Black Lodge performance is that is, oh, Agent Cooper you think that you're a, a, a positive character and you think you've done the right thing, but you've forgiven an evil man yeah. mm. just because he said, I didn't kill anybody, it was it was Bob, it's not my fault. Yeah, so, yeah. in fact, that was a failing of Cooper. Yeah. And, and Lynch is actually casting judgment on that even back then. Yeah. Now, that may all be full of shit. and it may well, both, no, it's, but it's, it's, it's definitely an interesting theory, but I guess how does some of that thinking sort of translate or into this scene that we've you know, seen yeah, this part true. you know and I, a lot of this is artistic choice and who knows what's right and what's wrong and who knows how much is too much i think it's a very individual thing but you know does she have to be in a lingerie does she have yeah. to be beaten twice yeah yeah before yeah. she's shot and, and those are sort of things i know i know when i've and i've seen the seen this part a couple of times now i know the first time i saw it i was particularly shocked by it and then the second after i've just said i don't have emotional responses to much of many of the scenes um the second time i was just angry yeah. about it and yeah. I think for me anyway I think he probably went a little bit too far yeah it, it's tough because because the, uh, you know Women in Peril is such a key uh, you know a key driving force of so much of David Lynch's work we probably shouldn't have imagined it was ever going to be any different uh, this go round so probably I'm, heightened actually because it's on, on you know streaming yeah, you know, it's, it's not network television anymore. Yeah, but I mean, we've seen it. Like, you can pr- pretty much name every single film that he's made: Blue Velvet, Woman in Peril, like um, Inland Empire, Woman in Peril. You keep going back sorry. to that. I'm sorry, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And I think part of part of any of these conversations is everyone can have their opinion, but it's really important that if someone's saying no, you know, fuck off. I'm a I'm a woman, and it makes me feel uncomfortable. And you don't. Uh, no one else gets to say, "Well, no, 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 you're wrong," or "No, no, no, it's it's artistic." Um, part of what everyone's got to do is, um, is is listen to everyone's side and just think, "Well, um, that's it's part of the debate." And is it okay or is it not? Well, there's there's no black and white answer necessarily, but um, the uh, an opinion like yours, Nav, is something that absolutely should be should be considered. And maybe Lynch gets a bit more of a pass simply because. He clearly has some artistic vision. He's not doing it for ratings. He's not doing it for titillation. Mm. Or, you know, perhaps we're, we are giving him too much benefit of the doubt because <laughs> I am making those excuses. But you're, you're right. If, 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 if there's a woman experiencing this and is feeling uncomfortable, just like the, if uh, a, a transgender person is watching uh, Denise Bryce and, and, and saying, actually, this isn't cool. Guys, yeah. you think it's cool, but it's not yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then... Um, it's it's part of our job to go. Okay, well, you know, you got to you got to take that on board. Yeah, yeah, yeah for so, sure. I mean, I was also um, quite horrified by the fact that how did Dale Cooper, how did Bad Cooper tape record that phone call from outside the I door? Know. You said he was Tommy Wiseau. That's the same thing that <laughs> they did in the room. Exactly. Like, oh wow! Tape recorders don't work that way. Dude. I do love that there was a return of a dictaphone kind of. It. Tool though, yeah, that's that nice. that's true. I like, yeah, Diane. I'm outside the door right now. I think they're talking about me. Didn't someone? Didn't someone? Someone said that Jack wired the car. Does that mean that 
he like he wired it as in like he put a bug in the car or he, maybe he's like he's getting like in race ah. uh, in oh yeah I heard something I yeah, remember Jack, Jack some, did do something he said about that, he wired the car he wired the I car don't I don't know what that means no. yeah anyway um, um, we do see this very interesting symbol Bad Cooper pulls out a card from his jacket pocket and it's got now this is before he kills Darius this is before yeah he yeah. shows her the card he shows now, the so card she know what it is now it looks like the, it looks like the ace of spades but the, like the uh, the spades been blurred out or something kind of looks like it's got the wings of the owl uh, like the owl ring the yeah, green ring yeah, that gets yeah. passed on uh, from person to person so yeah my first thought was it was the owl cave symbol mm. um, but then I rewatched it and you know, I, I drew... I was going to say, it. I see some sketches yeah, in your notebook I've got there. Images, which maybe we'll take a photo of that and put that on the website as well because you you, even the one where I've scribbled out, like, no, no, that's shit. And <laughs> but I, th- I think there is a difference. There's because the, the blob with with bits coming out the side that he's got on this card is... Uh, it's, it's round, whereas the other one is quite a definitive... Uh, White Lodge, Black Lodge, mountains and valleys. Mm, yep, yep. When you combine them together, they become the the look of an owl. So there is some real specific differences. Yeah, this so. blob looks more like a space hopper or something. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. And again, just like the ring itself, I think there's going to be a lot of meaning to that. that we're I going think to so. Discover. Yep. That we'll see soon. Um, which, just as the ring is very important uh, from the movie, uh, the next part. Um, is as a re- throwback to the movie, and that is the return of Philip Jeffries. Yeah, yeah. It's the voice yeah. of someone who may or may not be Philip Jeffries. Yes, yeah. Um, again, for the people out there who have not seen the movie, Philip Jeffries is the David Bowie character. Yes, and he uh, was an FBI agent who disappeared for two years, and then in the middle of the Firewalk with Me movie, walked back into FBI headquarters, not having been seen uh, or heard from in two mm. years. Uh, said that he'd been living with the Black Lodge inhabitants and it was his story that took place above the convenience store Mm. and then he disappeared again. And at the time of watching the movie, you think, well, he's just disappeared back into the vortex and isn't going to be seen again. But from the sounds of the episodes that we've seen so far, Philip Jeffries does still exist and is someone that can be spoken to. Bad Coop's talking to him. Um, Ray... I think was speaking to him yeah, in, I think before so. Daria is, yep. is killed. And, and it's Jeffries that says you have to hit Cooper if he's still around tomorrow night. Yep. Yep. So, so we think Jeffries is, he, he's the one that wants to get rid of Cooper. What, before he gets a chance to go back into the Black Lodge? Maybe while he's still out here on Earth, he wants to get rid of him. I'll tell you what, look, we're clearly not going to see the return of David Bowie playing uh, Philip Jeffries. But um, there's. Unless. Well. Unless, Unless David those, film, those scenes ever. were filmed before he died. Oh, yeah, it actually, would be the right. coolest thing ever. Oh my god! And Lynch has just been sitting on this this, this <laughs> Trump card for years. No, listen, I'm t- living in hope anyway. Uh, look, I'm I'm not holding out much hope. Number one, number two, um, uh, David Bowie's American accent in uh, <laughs> Fire with Me was so terrible. We're not going to talk about Judy. Yeah. Uh, no, no, I could do without that. Actually, I'd be very happy to have that person voiced by someone else. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we, I mean, he, and he clearly is voiced by someone else. Not just not Bowie, Bowie, but not even doing an impersonation of that <laughs> accent. It's not yes. a southerner. It's just a very uh, middle of the road accent. That uh, so, what does Philip Jeffrey says? I missed you in New York. Uh, you're still in Buckhorn. Yeah. Uh, and then he says you're still nowhere. You met with Major Briggs. Yep, there he there he is again. Mm. And then he says, I just called to say goodbye. You're going back in tomorrow. And I'm going to be with Bob again. So this is Jeffrey's 
clearly, or, or the person that then Cooper then says, wait a minute, is this or isn't this Philip Jeffries? Mm. But whoever it is knows that his 25 years is up tomorrow. Yep. He's going back into the yeah. Black Lodge. Yeah. And I'm going to be with Bob again. So, oh, I mean, he's against bad Coop. Yeah. But yeah. if he's going to be with Bob, he still doesn't sound like a particularly nice guy. No, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. How do we transition from this to, I've said, now that we're back in, we go back to the Red Room and we've got the Freaky Tree Brain we thing do. going on. We got it. The and the freaky tree thing says two five three, time and time again, Bob. And then Cooper falls through the floor. Now, oh, wait, wait, we said Leland Palmer. No, first. we said exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, we saw Leland. Oh, he he says, "Find Laura." Oh, uh, Leland Palmer has not aged. Uh, Ray Wise, Ray Wise, was amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, and I guess this is the episode where, of course, we had seen Cheryl Lee at That's the right. start, and you were saying earlier, Nav, uh, before we started recording about. Where, the extent to which she has aged and some some actors and actresses have aged and haven't aged. Yeah, I mean, I just think it's really interesting that, um, well, the two, the two characters we've seen so far, so Lucy and, and Laura, again, and maybe it's sort of in the age of high-definition television, maybe I just need to sit a bit further back, <laughs> but um, you can definitely tell that they have, have aged quite considerably in 25 years in a way that perhaps um, Coop, a good Coop, as we like to call him, um, probably ha- hasn't, or he looks a little bit like, like time has been a bit kinder to him. Now that could be makeup, but um, Lynchy, I think you had an interesting theory about the relative ages of these actors at the time that they filmed. Yeah, the I mean, because even though we talk about it being twenty-five years, in fact, it's twenty-seven years between when they filmed most of this in eighty-nine, ninety, and well, two thousand and fifteen. So that it was filmed. So sort of yeah. about twenty-six years. Um, I assume Cheryl Lee would have been maybe about 23, 24. Probably, so yeah. the, the difference between being 23 and 50, I think most people will agree, is, is, a, is a pretty massive one. Whereas someone like Ray Wise, who probably would have been 40-odd, I know a lot of people who look similar at 65 to what they did at 40. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think she's still... Uh, she's, she's beautiful. She's stunning. Yeah. And... Um, the 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 poise in which she holds herself as well. Like I thought it was still a fantastic performance, and, and the freakiness of her blinks. Oh, just, I yes, know that. Just the way that she did. I mean, the, obviously, it's still part of the the film it backwards thing. But it freaked me out when I was thirteen watching it, and freaking me out. Yeah, yeah. And presumably, uh, I know we're sort of jumping backwards and forwards, like that we do in the red room. Presumably, she's going over to whisper to Cooper. The name of her killer, like like she did the first come around, maybe. Well, I think that's or another whisper, or, or another whisper. There's going to be something. Maybe. A whisper and a pash. That's uh, what. Yeah. <laughs> now, where was where did the kiss come from? The kiss wasn't in the the first time. Yes, yes it was. Oh, was it? Yeah. oh yes. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. The only difference was that kiss was had young Laura. <laughs> 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 young Laura kissing. Made Young. up to look old, mm, Dale Cooper. That's right. Oh, that's right. Whereas okay. now it's um, old, old Cheryl Lee yes. kissing old, old, old Cooper. Cooper. Not made up. But, but not made up <laughs> yeah. and the absence or appearance of tongue, I don't know. Oh, I don't right. know. Oh, yeah. It's the evolution of the tongue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I go like this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's stuck up in the in the tree somewhere. <laughs> so where are, we, where are we up to? Actually, um, we're back to... so. Coop's had this bad coop, has uh, has killed Daria and he gets a, another accomplice to deal with the evidence, I Jennifer guess. Jennifer Jason Lee. Jennifer Jason Lee, another oh, cameo. Wow, I and did not little, spot that at all. And a little bit of risque scripting. Do you guys really? remember? No. Well, so uh, Coop clearly in the throes of just having killed, clearly 
has got the horn. Um, but uh, he runs his hand up Jennifer Jason Leigh's oh, character's, yes. 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 Oh, yeah. oh, character's leg and says, aren't you wet? Oh, yeah. That's, Which is, <laughs> that's always my go-to line. Always. Can't yes. go wrong. Yes. Who needs foreplay when you've got that line? So, again, the beauty of being able to uh, broadcast on streaming rather than network television. That's yeah. right. Knock yourself out. Obviously, Bad Cooper's been hanging out at Jackson's on George. That's a very Sydney reference probably, for our listeners. And probably yeah. quite defamatory, actually. There you go. <laughs> um, but so, yes, we had the Jennifer Jason Lee's Chantal, then back to the Red Room, and then this is the uh, after that we, was what you'd reference. Uh, last episode of our podcast now, which was Sarah Palmer. Yes. The return of Sarah Palmer. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, you were speaking before about just how um, how incredibly strange and beautiful that shot was. And, and how visceral. Yeah, and absolutely. Also, um, it, I think it really encapsulated just this huge loneliness of the Sarah Palmer character. Um, something, uh, I don't know if you guys have seen, there's um, the, the Complete Mysteries Blu-ray uh, of yeah. yep. Twin Peaks has got uh, some additional scenes where David Lynch shot uh, an interview that he had with uh, the three actors Ray Wise, Leland Palmer, um, oh, now I've got Grace Zabriskie, yep. yes, Sarah yep, Palmer, and Cheryl Lee's Laura yeah. Palmer, but then also interviewed them in character. Oh, and this is, and they start improvising and riffing on what you like talking in character, which is weird because two of them two are of actually them dead. Are dead. I did, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, but and uh, but so David Lynch. As David Lynch is now not talking to, you're not talking to the actors. He's talking to the characters. The characters, uh, and it was oh, it was just heartbreaking. Yeah, it was because you know that well. Laura Palmer and and Leland Palmer got this very mysterious, and we say, oh, I can't really say where we are. But then to hear what Sarah Palmer's life has been, I'm all I'm all emotional about a, a fictitious character. But it's clear that someone who's experienced this double tragedy, yeah. Um, has just spent the next 25 years of her life just floating through life, having no idea what to do next, clearly still drinking. I think there's one of the shots that we've seen from the teaser we haven't seen yet is her just walking through the aisle of a... Of a bottle shop. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's just like this very, very lonely existence. Which is probably um, one of the few shots of Sarah Palmer that we see outside of her house. Yes, actually. that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, knowing, of course, that there was an element of, of mental illness or instability with her character anyway, even before Laura had died. Yeah, or, or at least, at the very least, a sort of a certain sensitivity to a heightened, a heightened sensitivity to uh, the, the what was going exactly. on around. That's probably a better way of putting it. Um, uh, you know, so, yeah. I mean, she saw Bob, right? I mean, mm. that first scene yeah. where he's hiding behind Laura's bed yeah. freaked me out. And, and, <laughs> and, clearly, and clearly have had a history of being medicated either by her husband, Leland. <laughs> that's, that's we should, we shouldn't laugh about that, that, but yes. No, that's right. Um, or, or medicating herself and seeing visions and all that kind of stuff. Like She's clearly on this wheel of substance abuse and all that sort of stuff. One of the things I did want to make mention of is, uh, so we're seeing this, these predators, and I think they're lions eating a wildebeest or something like that, and it's really, really uh, quite visceral what's going on there. It did remind me a little bit, uh, again, sort of coming back to this idea that the spirits or the inhabitants of the lodge seem to feed off the pain and suffering of other other people. That the, somehow the uh, human beings are not the top of the food pyramid. Apparently, they're denizens yeah. of the lodger. Yeah, so, yeah. and and we're just seeing it writ large that you know what? In, in order for some creatures to survive, they have to inflict pain and suffering on other people or other or other entities, other beings. And I just feel like that 
we think we're on top of the, this pyramid, but the, the denizens of the lodge, the reason, maybe the reason why there's so much pain and suffering in the world is at least some of the havoc they're causing is partly to feed their own appetites and their own needs and desires. Mm. Donald Trump. Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I'm just saying, did we miss a scene before we... I know we went straight to Sarah Palmer. Did we miss something? I, I feel I feel like Sorry, Coop no, is kind right. of locked out of the lodge or he ends up exiting yeah, into... This, this, the, that's the moment where uh, the arm, the arms doppelganger appears. Yes. And, and says non-existent and, you know, so... The arms doppelganger is an asshole um, because yeah, that was the moment where he could get out. He he peeked out to the highway, saw the car coming. Yeah, uh, but then he got sent through the floor instead. Oh, you're saying that the the brain tree? Oh yeah, that was totally yeah. the arms doppelganger. The that arms was a doppelganger. second brain tree. Yes. Well, just as in, because <laughs> in the, I mean, because in the original, how do you tell? Like, because normally no, no, you can see by the eyes. It's, no, it's signposed. I think they, they, I'm pretty they sure they say doppelganger. my doppelganger. There's a reference to the arms doppelganger. <gasps> Which makes sense because there was yes. a doppelganger for the little man in the yes. finale as well. Yes. yes. Um, and the doppelganger comes out of the statue. So the what was one of the the um, statues in the, the yeah that's right mm-hmm. yeah turns into a turns into the doppelganger of the tree that declares Cooper non-existent and yes. sends him through the floor. Right. As you do. Of course, and non-existent yeah. looks like some kind of choppy, shaky handheld camera. Kind of <laughs> yeah. Yes, which I think is possibly. I, anyway, for all of my saying, I don't like read, reading this stuff on the internet. Um, I picked read a few things, maybe sort of touches on David Lynch's fascination and the practice of transcendental med- meditation. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, with there's scenes also that are coming up later. He talks about um, Lynch in the interviews. will talk about his creativity, like he's floating on an ocean, and he's, he needs to plumb the depths, and you got to go deep, deep, deep to get the deep ideas. That is literally in future episodes. We literally see oceans and water, and, mm. and, and this idea of plumbing the depths of this stuff. So. And we go back in time with this scene because I think there's a reprise of the Tracy and the. There Whatever is. his name scene is, that we know that Coop, good Coop, yes, was there. He yes. floats in. Which now, uh, I the, there's there's some cool stuff that I found on the net, and uh, go and tell us. But no, no, I'm <laughs> I'm gonna hold it for next episode because it's partly to do with what happens. So there's a little bit of overlap between part two and part three. There is, uh, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah. So this is this is you guys are gonna have to hold on, and so are you, listeners. Yes. Um, Come back, listen I to hate us it when he does part. that. Um, but there is one more appearance that we have before the the episode finishes. Are you getting all weak at the knees at this appearance? Yes, because you know who the hottest denizen <laughs> of Twin Peaks is, and that is the Renault brothers. <laughs> Bernard, no, not Bernard. No. Uh, it was Jacques. Bernard Renault was the one that Bernard was when it got killed. The house. Yeah. Jacques Renault got killed by Leland Palmer and was the slightly heavier gentleman who worked also as a bartender yep. in the bookhouse. And this looks just like Jacques Renault, but yeah. in fact, the credits list him as Jean Michel, Jean Michel Renault. Wow. So there is an extra Renault brother. Is there no end to the Renault family? No. <laughs> they are like the Baldwins. I know. Oh, God. Bite the bullet, baby. Oh, he's just so wrong. He's so. So, but yes, we have this final scene. But in this scene, we see some more Twin Peaks favourites return. Oh, yes. For the first time. So. Who's coming? So we get to see Shelley. Yeah, let's talk about Shelley. Shelley's back. Shelley's got a daughter now. Shelley, who who also likes hanging around with the wrong kind of guy. Yeah. 
Um, Shelly's there with her friends who uh, I was just thinking, oh, that girl across from Shelly, it's just classic sort of middle-aged, like on a night out, sort of a bit skanky, but not quite doing it right. Hey, then you're realized, talking about my Saturday night. Oh, no, hello, we might resemble that. <laughs> but it's also Gia Carini's. I was going to say, it's, it's, it's it Australia's favourite Gia yes. Carini's. Oh, incredible. So, yeah, she makes an appearance and then also Balthazar Getty. Yes. From... Young Guns 2 and all the other cool things from the uh, of the 90s. Yes, and he's, he's uh, credited as, as credited as Red. Red. And he sh- he makes eyes at Shelley and, sh- yeah. and gives her the old... And he looks like he's a bit of a bad boy, so <laughs> yeah. Shelley obviously hasn't... She does have... Maybe hasn't changed all that much. No. Yeah. But interestingly, and I don't know whether this was apparent as a dynamic in seasons one and two, that Shelley thought that James Hurley, motorbiker James... <laughs> Was always cool. Was always cool. Because I never thought that guy was cool. I think I think Planet Earth did not think that. <laughs> no, I think so. Yes. The, Jam- yes. James, the 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 words James is always cool is just gonna like <laughs> echo down the generations of people just going really. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Mark, Mark Frost, try, stop trying to make that happen. It's not going to happen. You're not fooling anybody. Sorry. But yes. James is back as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think this is possibly his first acting gig since season two. Maybe. No, he was in, um, I mean, obviously it's been a long time, but he was in A Few Good Men. Um, oh, he was too. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, he was in, uh, I think it was called Warrior or something that was like a, a kick It was obviously movie. memorable. Was it? It was oh, very yeah. Memorable. No, yeah, it had the Australian actor in it and also had, I want to say it had Tom Hardy in it. No, no, not that Warrior. Oh. <laughs> a, much, <laughs> a much less popular This was a straight, this right. was a straight to DVD so, Warrior. Oh, yeah, right. And, and from, I, I think his career was really spanned the glory years of 90 to 92. Wow. But, uh, yeah, so it's been, but he... He's had a difficult personal life difficult as well. Life, yeah. So he's had some medical problems and all sorts of stuff. I think pseudo-pharmaceutical you know, company. Looking, looking a bit dodge. Um, but yeah, and I think that's been explained in the series as he's had a, he had a motorcycle had accident. A motorcycle accident. Oh, right, right. So, but still always cool. I thought cool. he's always cool. I thought he, he's, he's offside that he comes into the bar. I thought that might have been his son, but he's got a very thick brogue some sort of accent there and he's like i could barely hear it um but i had subtitles turned on on my tv um and it says oh look at this place i think it's a dog's bollocks in it and i (laughs) thought oh hello where is this guy and he's wearing a blue latex glove i didn't notice that what's that that about Mm. curiouser and curiouser Mm. anyway that hanging out there we must uh we must end the we must end the podcast but of course they must end the episode with Julie Cruz 2.0. Yes. Nice little musical number. And I thought she looks... Um, I, I, at first I was like, well, Julie Cruz hasn't aged at all. <laughs> um, but she, she's got this Nico, the Velvet Underground she Nico. She does. And Faithful Absolutely. sort of look. Absolutely. Just um, beautiful. And the bass player looks like a cross between Adam Driver and an undead zombie. Yeah, I think I'm with you. He, has he got like like tears tattooed on his face or something he going does, on? There? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was always cool. He was always cool. He was always cool. The only thing that really ruined it for me is that it's, there's some series of chords during the song, which is which is a great song. I, you know, it's a great memorable song. Uh, but unfortunately, it sounds a little bit like Justin Bieber's "Baby, Baby, Baby." Oh, oh it's the same chords, and now I can't unhear I'm it. I'm embarrassed oh, that you actually. Well, now, no, 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 we've all heard it. All right. On that clanger. Yes. <laughs> Thanks again for listening. Uh, for all of the links that you've seen on the uh, that we've been talking about, definitely visit the website. It's daveandlynch.com, uh, and you can find everything that there is to do with the podcast there. This has been part two of 
our damn fine commentary. We hope to see you next time. Uh, make sure you uh, talk to your friends about it and spread the word because that's uh, the best way that we can get this podcast out there to as many people as possible. Thanks again. See you next time. See ya. Bye. You've been listening to Damn Fine Commentary with Dave and Lynch. For the complete list of show notes and all the links, visit our website, daveandlynch.com. And if you like the show, there's two things you can do to really help us out. First, tell all your friends. And second, take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. It makes a huge difference and helps other people find us. Look, did we miss anything? Do you have a comment, a question or a suggestion? Drop us a line at daveandlynch at gmail.com or you can follow us on your social media of choice. We're at twitter.com slash daveandlynch, facebook.com slash daveandlynch, instagram.com slash daveandlynch. <laughs> yep, yeah, you get the picture. We're everywhere. Thanks for listening. <laughs>